Welcome to the Value Script. I'm your host, Lonnie Carmichael. Today, we have in studio a very special guest, Dr. Robert Balsmeyer. Please welcome him to the show. Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for having me, Lonnie. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right. So, Dr. Balsmeyer and I have been practicing um, pediatric dentistry together for how long now? Nine, eight, eight going on, on, nine, on nine, years. nine years. Coming up on nine years. Yeah. Um, and... Quite honestly and humbly, probably the best pediatric dentist. I said probably. That, <laughs> that, that, that's probably too Got my much own disclaimer it. baked into the cake. Yeah. No, the best pediatric dentist I've, I've practiced around. Um, fantastic. Excellent commitment to outcomes, uh, patient outcomes. And one thing I want to talk about real quick, I just thought of. Uh, I was talking to a mom the other day. We had a special needs patient. Um, when I saw him, she mentioned he had some intellectual delays which is like but he's great as long as you talk to him he'll be fine and he was you know about you know an adolescent male and super nice kid but definitely had some intellectual delays and he needed to have some treatment done and so at the end was we were completing his treatment mom came back in the room as we were finishing things up and um she said how's he doing and i said he's doing great and she's like i can't believe it and um I know I said, I know it's, I said, you know, your son's working really hard to earn his two tokens because I thought two, you know, we're, we're already a, twice as the one the normal. And so I said, he's working really hard to earn his two tokens. And he's like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, are you a deal maker? He's like, ha ha. <laughs> so I was like, all right, man, you finish strong. We'll get you three. And then I had to, you know, finish the composite and it was on the, um, on the distal buckle line angle of number, number two. And so, like, the worst, one of my least favorite spots in the mouth to work. Right, right. And um, uncomfortable for me and him. And the fact that he was doing so great with his um, situation, it was, was awesome. It was really nice. It was the end of the day, too. I mean, it was, like, like, the worst time to have a patient like that, right? And he's doing so well, and the mom just looks at us, and, and she says, I can't believe this. this. You guys have done so well today, and, which is always nice to hear. Because we don't always hear that. Right, right. So it was always nice to hear that. And I just thanked her. And um, she's like, just kept going on. I said, you know, it's important to us. As pediatric dentists, we treat the teeth. But more importantly, we're treating the mind. We're creating the foundation for how your son and everybody are going to view dentistry and receiving dental health care and even general health care be impacted by their dental experiences for the rest of their lives and we as pediatric dentists consider that as part of our treatment planning as part of the outcomes we're looking for we are invested in having the patient have a good experience because we are shaping the psychology of these patients um and so but and she just started to cry and i thought that was one of the more gratifying dental experiences i've had with a patient and a mom in a stressful environment um so what, what has been your experience, Dr. Balsmeyer? Like, what, what have you found as far as some of your more gratifying experiences? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely one of them, um, you know, where we can, we can bring a kiddo in uh, that needs some treatment and, you know, we can provide them with a different experience than they've had in the past. And, and you know, in our practice, um, we see that a lot. We get referrals in and we'll have... Uh, a kiddo come in who's super scared, they're nervous, um, and the way that we care about our patients, the way that we approach what we do, 
um, gives them a different experience. Um, and when the, the, the patients don't always recognize it, but the parents do. Right. And when they do, tell do you, do the parents always recognize it? Well, they don't always, let me, let me restate that. They don't always recognize it. So that, that's why it's one of the nicest things, right. Or one of the best experiences when the parents do recognize it. Um, and when they say, Hey, this has been great. Um, you know, this has been a wonderful experience. We're so glad we came here. Um, and I think I can't remember if it was you or me doing the exam when that parent told us that the other day, we were both standing there and one of us was, was seeing the kiddo and one of us was either consulting or something, but the, the mom was just like, Hey, I'm so glad that we came here. It's wonderful. Um, and it happens to be that parent that we actually asked to leave the practice like three years before, but she got back and she was happy again. Right. So oh, I remember that. Yeah, that was, yeah. you remember that one. Yeah. That so, was, yeah. So it's just, it's just when you can provide that when, um, when the kiddos have had a negative experience and then they come and they realize that we can provide them with something different, right? Or you get them over that fear um, to where, you know, you can encourage them and you can kind of set a new um, expectation of what it's like for them to come in and and see the dentist, right? And take care of their oral health, right? Um, because like you mentioned, right? If, if you don't have, if these kids don't have good oral health, say they're in pain, right? I don't think a lot of people realize if this kid is in pain, they're not eating properly, they're not getting proper nutrition. They're not getting the proper development of their overall body, including their brain, right? And so it's huge, right? I don't think a lot of people think about that, right? If this kid is not getting the proper nutrients because they're in pain and they can't eat well, it's affecting their whole body, everything about their development it's in a critical time, right? As these kids are growing and developing. So, um, but, you know, to go back to your original question, I think it's just, it's just being able to provide that different experience and, and having um, the parents recognize it um, but also sometimes getting those kiddos through it, you can see the fear in their eyes. And then at the end, you high five, you give them their prize and it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Yeah, so definitely. No, you shared a couple of great points. I mean, a couple, you only shared a couple of great points. No, I'm just kidding. Those are some great points. A couple of those I want to, I want to go back to and, and um, dive into a little deeper, um, especially um, mentioning, you, you know, you talked about when the kid has a good experience, how often is the experience of the parent? part of the outcome of what we do. How do you, how, what do you mean exactly? Well, so do, are the parents, the feedback from the parents, I, I guess I'm framing that question from the standpoint of the most stressful part of my job isn't dealing with the patients or, or, the, or the kids. That's not the most stressful part of my job. The most stressful part of my job is, is dealing with the parents for me. And as I want them to know what we know, because you and I are fairly confident in being able to say, hey, we really are the best of what we do. And, and we care that we deliver the highest level of care and patient satisfaction to our patients every day and every time. And we have prided ourselves in diagnosing appropriately, not over-treatment planning. We don't upsell our patients. You know, we aren't looking to, we don't look at this patient and say, okay, Here's a mouth. How can I make the maximum amount of profit out of it? We've always done, not the opposite, but what we've done is look at the mouth and say, what is the most appropriate thing for this patient? What is going to help them the most? What is going to be the most beneficial in their mouth moving forward? And because we take care of our patients, the finances take care of themselves in the end because we are doing what's right and what's best. But the parents, I feel like, don't always feel that way. Sometimes I feel like you have that... Um, questioning parent that comes in and 
wonders if what you're telling them is what your child really needs or what their child sure, needs. Sure, sure. And then you have those skeptical parents that come in that don't trust any healthcare providers at all, and that's obvious too, right? So um, what are your, what is, what's been your experience dealing with parents on that side of things? Yeah, so I think um, what I usually try and do is is give them some options, um, you know, and, and you have your ideal treatment plan, right? And that's what I would do for my own kid, right? And and that's what I do from the get-go is like, what would I do if this was my kid, right? I have no idea how they're going to pay for it. I don't look at the insurance. I don't. Right. I have no idea, right? I sit down, you know what I mean, try and give a good experience to my patient, um, and that's something and, that we've done on the practice intentionally. You and I, when we sit down and see the patients, we don't know if this person even has insurance. Right. We don't know if they, you know, if they're paying with cash or if they're paying from state insurance or access or whatever. We divorce ourselves from that purposefully, correct? So that we generate the and, ideal and, treatment. And plan. I don't know if I've done it intentionally for my whole career, right? Um, but I've never. I don't know what any of it costs. Right. Like I couldn't tell you, right. I could give you a good yeah. estimate maybe, but like, I don't know what I get paid for this insurance or that insurance. And I know some providers I've worked with, they know, you know, they're getting paid $87 and 36 cents, right. For this procedure. I have no clue. Right. All I know is, Hey, here's what I do for my kid. Okay. Now I also, you know, we're, we're talking with the parents as well and you can kind of get a feel for, um, you know, say, say they don't have insurance, right. It's like, okay. Let's figure out a way that we can get your kid the treatment that they need, right? In, you know, the most, um, you know, economically feasible way possible for you, right? And there's ways to do that. But I think also just giving the parent options, right? And letting them decide. And now they have to be, you know, options I'm fine with, right? You know what I mean? Um, providing for the patient. Um, but I think giving them the options, like, hey, here's, here's the thing I do for my kid, right? If that doesn't work, here's something that we can do. It's not, it's not an ideal situation, but I feel comfortable as a provider doing this as long as we agree to say, hey, you need to come back and I need to follow up with this, right? And we have to understand that we may need to change directions at some point um, while we're taking care of your child um, if this option isn't working anymore for some reason, um, you know, so... I think it, it's a big part of it, like dealing in, you know, helping the parent understand what their child needs, um, you know, so that the kiddo can get the, the care that they need. Um, but yeah, you, then you've got the parents, like you said, that, you know, you know, the one guy that, you know, told me I was telling him his kid needed crowns because I wanted to make money. Um, you know, I'm like, really? Okay, cool. Um I want your money so much that I'm going to ask you to get a second opinion and not be seen in our office, right? You know what I mean? So it's just like, so yeah, you get the, you run the gamut, you know? Um, so, but yeah, it's definitely something you have to consider. Yeah. I, I, I found, and we have discussed before where we have patients that um, just overall seem skeptical or a lot of times it's patients with healthcare backgrounds who um, probably overstate their knowledge of oral health in their own mind all the while admitting they need to come to you to have you fix the problems they helped create in the child's own mouth. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that's one of the hardest things to deal with is the fact that the reason that the child's having these issues is because of the parent, right. For the most part, you know, but uh, you know, that's, that's a hard thing to address. You know what I mean? And I do it in a way or try to do it in a way. It's like, Hey, look, you know, the best thing is that you're here now. 
right? You know, and I'll see some parents that, like you said, they overstate their knowledge of it, but I also see some parents that are, you know, upset about Especially it, a certain right? medical class of providers seems sure. to be a little more <laughs> entitled when they come in than others. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Um, and, and we've had conversations where, like you said, like, not only do I feel that this is what's best, but if you don't have trust and confidence in what we are telling you is the absolute best thing for your child, we want you to have that trust and confidence. So if you don't have that trust and confidence, we actually encourage you to go get a second opinion. We want you to know that what you're doing for your child is best. And we want you to be confident that you're seeking the best care. And if you don't have that trust and confidence, that's totally okay. We, we may have failed on some aspect of our execution and maybe that's why you don't have that confidence or perhaps it's on your own um, background and, and what you're bringing into the office. But either way, we, need, we want you to be confident that you are bringing your children to the absolute best place you could be for, for what we're dealing with. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, the last thing that, that I want to be doing is taking care of a patient, one of my kiddos, right. That the parents aren't on board with it. Right. right. That's the last thing, I, the last place I want to be right. Is like that I've got a parent out in the waiting room who's questioning what we're doing. And I'm like, no, we need to, we need to step back a second and, and make sure we're all on the same page before we move forward with anything. Right. Um, and, and not that we're, and, and makes to make sure we're not throwing parents under the bus, you know, what, what is the, we just talked a little bit about incidents and as far as cavities going, I think a lot of parents actually, when they come in and realize that their kids actually have dental disease, they're a little surprised and they feel bad. They feel as if they have failed as parents, right? So what, what would you speak to that? What's the incidence of disease and, and how should parents feel? Uh, it's the, the exact incidence. I I'm, don't know. I'd have to go back and look at my manual um, and see what the exact is, but it's it's quite high. It's um, it's rare to have a kiddo without anything going on, right? Like we were just you know talking I mean? about. We just looked up. Um, it's it's about sixty percent of kids entering kindergarten have had at least one dental restoration across okay. the United States. That is the incidence across the United States. And um, is that a five year old? Yeah, between so five 60% and sixty percent of five year olds. Have had dental work done? Yep. Wow. At least one filling. That's wild. Yeah, at least one cavity. And on this, uh, more than half of adolescents aged 12 to 19 have had a cavity in at least one of their permanent teeth. And then, like you, we discussed, too, generally, it says low-income families are twice as likely, 25% as the incidence in low-income families to have cavities, where it's compared to um, households um, and children from higher-income households is 11% uh, in ages 5 to 19. Um, so, um, the incidence is pretty, pretty broad. And, and whenever parents start to feel that way, I usually say, Hey, I'd be happy to show you my kids x-rays. If you, if it makes you feel yeah, that's better. One of, that's one of the, I was just going to tell you that I was like, what I do is I just relate my own story right. to the parent and say, Hey, you know, like it, it's great that you're here now. We're going to get this all taken care of, but I've, I've put crowns on my own kids. I've done fillings on my own kids. My, my oldest son, um, I didn't take him to the dentist until I was in dental school oh. and he was five or six and I took him in and he had, he had cavities. Right. And I'm like, Oh man, I thought I was doing a good job here. You know what I mean? Um, but you don't know what you don't know. Right. right. And I think, um, is there a specific reason he didn't take him? 
I don't, I don't ever remember going to the dentist when I was a kid, yeah. you know, yeah. and I just don't, I thought, Hey, I'm brushing my kiddos teeth. I looked in there. I didn't see anything going on. Right. And so if you don't see anything going on, obvious, you're like, Oh, he must be fine. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, not realizing that <laughs> pediatric dentists have, you know, x-rays, you know, this magical thing where we can see between the teeth, right. And we can tell you what's going on way before. And so I just don't ever remember going as a kid and I just, I, I thought I was doing a good job. And then, you know, once you learn a little bit more, then you're like, wait, I need to get my kids into the dentist, right? And I, I had a similar experience when we got into residency, you know, in dental school, I was, I'm taking care of my kids' teeth. I'm brushing Macy's teeth and Addie's and, and uh, Macy came in um, for the first time when I was in residency and um, she was five years old and she had three cavities <laughs> and, and she had a daily diet of apple juice and at least one pack of fruit snacks, not two pack a day habit of fruit snacks. If they're fruit, they're, they're healthy, right? <laughs> right? Well, and, uh, <laughs> they're finally. not just gummy bears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Disguised as fruit. That was finally the leverage I needed to be able to convince Meredith to not, that no, the kids don't need apple juice every day and know that fruit snacks aren't really good for you. Because it's like, sweetheart, I'm going to, I actually, I was a little indignant, probably not as gracious, well, definitely not as gracious as I should have been. Um, apology to, to my wife. Um, but I came, but brought her into the operatory. I said, honey, look at these x-rays. I'm the one that has to give her the shots. I'm the one that has to fill these, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I need you to change, you know, change things at home so that I don't have to tell you to do this. Um, and then I realized life happens, right? Um, now yeah, that's, I don't know. Sorry about that. I don't know enough. This might be a dumb question. Is it more the sugar or the acidic? Like is it? So uh, what happens, it, it's the carbohydrates, right? It's the okay. sugars that the bacteria metabolize and excrete acid. Okay. And it's that acid sitting on the enamel that decalcifies and eventually okay. breaks down into a cavity when you have a visible hole in the tooth, right? Oh, wow. So that's the process of the, the caries process dumbed down, right? Gotcha. Basic process. When you have, there's a window of time is the good news. There's a window right. of time, right? There's, there's 10 minutes from the time you ingest carbohydrates is the time that it's about the average time it takes the bacteria to break down that those sugars into acid to break your teeth down. So theoretically, if you took a drink of soda and you could remove that completely from your teeth before 10 minutes goes by, you'd never get cavities, right? Uh, theoretically, <laughs> if you could remove, yeah, I guess, I guess you could, right? Um, so I just have a bottle of Listerine in your pocket. Drink, well, it's, drink, it's more than Listerine, water, right? Yeah, just I think <laughs> water. Water is the most beneficial substance you probably have readily available. If you can't brush or floss, drink water after you know swish swish with water for thirty seconds to a minute after a snack or a you know a sugary meal or anything like that. Gotcha. Um, or um, raising your saliva flow by chewing sugar free gum yep. is is a great really? way to do it. Wow. Because that helps to dilute the sugars and the acids as well. And even the mechanical action of chewing helps to debride your teeth or clean them to a certain extent. Um, in fact, chewing, eating food cleans your teeth. Uh, we have patients that can't eat, and they have tremendous amounts of tartar and calculus usually deposited on their teeth because the action of chewing is not mechanically removing stuff away from their teeth as well. And, and at the same time, wow. some of those patients don't ever get a cavity because they're huh. not they're not providing sugar yeah. for the bacteria in their mouths yeah. either, right? They have a lot of tartar buildup. 
There are so many more tidbits in this that I did not realize yeah, that were going to come out. Cavities, so. <laughs> yeah. um, That's crazy. All right, so real quick, let's hit the high points. What, what do we recommend as far as like, okay, so parents listening today, what can they do at home? How do they take care of their kids' teeth? Like what? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, basically. What's the daily routine? So the daily routine is, you know, every dental professional, you're going to brush twice a day. Um, I recommend flossing in the evening time. Um, but I'm also a realist with kids and I tell parents, Hey, if you can get in there and help your kiddo floss, you know, two to three times a week, it's going to be hugely beneficial because almost nobody flosses their, well, almost nobody flosses their own teeth, let alone they're going to get their kids teeth and sit there and floss their, their kids teeth every day. Right. So I try to encourage them and give them something that's realistic, right? If we can brush twice a day, get in there and help them. And I even say with the little kids, let them brush once herself. And then as long as you're getting in there once a day and, and brushing their teeth really well, and if you can floss their teeth two or three times a week, um, it's going to be hugely beneficial. Right. Um, right. And then try to limit your sweet drinks, sweet snacks, especially between meals, right? If they want to have a little bit of juice, the best time to do it's at mealtime. Um, and water's the best thing for them. Um, what about at night going to sleep? Yeah, with our really young patients, right? We want to avoid... Um, going to bed with anything other than water. But again, I mean, I get it. Young kids are going to bed with bottles and sippy cups, but the sooner you can get away with that, right, you're going to drastically lower the risk of, you know, early childhood caries. Um, but if they do go to sleep, we recommend a wet gauze, wipe the milk off the teeth um, to try to decrease the amount um, of substance other than water that's sitting on the teeth all night long. Yeah, time. Yeah. All right, so what, why did you become... How did you get it? How'd you get here? Why did you become a pediatric dentist? Oh, so, wow. Um, so I always, I always knew that I was going to do some type of health profession from, you know, when I was a young kid, you know, I, I love my orthodontist. I was like, I'm going to be an orthodontist. Um, I had some experience in the military um, with the uh, medical profession um, so that I, you know, thought, hey, I'll go to medical school, you know, so I, I knew I was going to do something like that. Um, and I decided to go into dentistry after I went and saw my dentist when I was an undergrad and told him I was, Hey, I'm, I'm pre-med. He's like, why are you going to do that? I was like, well, I want to go help people. I like to work with my hands. I think it'd be awesome to be able to, you know, do surgeries. And, um, he's like, well, let me tell you a story. He's like, I've got a uncle who's a, you know, so-and-so physician and he has two kids that are eight and 10 that he doesn't know. Um, because he's in the hospital all the time. Um, wow. and I had had my first child at that time and with my second one on the way, I think. Um, and so that, I just started thinking about that, you know, and he said, I went to dental school because the quality of life that it could provide me is a little bit better than me being stuck in a hospital all the time. Um, and so I started thinking about that and I was like, yeah, it would be kind of cool. And then I started thinking about how I used to want to be an orthodontist. So I was like, Hey, I could consider doing that. And, um, and so I decided to pursue dentistry, um, and, you know, jump forward dental school, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, and, and I was considering going to oral surgery school, right. And with my personality, I'd have to go to do a DDSMD program and it'd be six years and I would do some fellowship. And then I kind of woke up one day, I'm like, what am I doing? That's why I went to dental school. Right. So I didn't have to go be in the hospital all the time, right? Be on call and do all this stuff. However, that, I mean, it would be great. It'd be awesome. But, um, I just felt like that would be more of my life than spending time with my family. 
um, and being able to experience my, my kids growing up. And so I started looking at pediatric dentistry and uh, from a very young age, my first job was a lifeguard and swimming instructor. So I've worked with really young kids who are scared, right? And I just, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm good with kids. I've got this ability to make them feel comfortable, um, reduce their fears, because that's all it is with kids, right? I mean, what are they? They're scared, right? That's it. Is, are they scared and is it going to hurt, right? When you have a three-year-old that you're getting in the swimming pool for the first time, they're scared, right? And so you figure out a way to help them not be scared. And so I just thought it really fit, you know, with my personality, my background, um, and, you know, I've never regretted it. It's, it's great. I mean, most of the time we laugh all day long, right? Cause kids are just a trip. They're hilarious. They say the funniest stuff. They're cute. They're great. We get to give them prizes and balloons and all this stuff. Right. And it's very rare. The parents are great too. You know what I mean? And like you said, we don't want to throw our parents under the bus. It's very rare that we, that we have difficult parents. You know what I mean? A lot of it's just not understanding um, what's going on. And we have a good way of helping them understand that. Um, but most of the parents are great. They're appreciative. Um, you know, so, but yeah, that's, that's, I guess that's how I got into it. I hope that explains it well enough. Yeah, for sure. You know, I don't know if we talked about this when we were recording or not, uh, if it was before, but one of the, one of my pet peeves in the daily practice is when you give the treatment plan to the patient, you're like, Hey, you know, however you break it to them, did did you know that we have cavities in here? And they're like, Oh my gosh, are you serious? Right. How could that be? And it's like, well, um, there's like eight of them. I mean, it's like, how? I mean, and then like there's, if you looked in their child's mouth, you could see the holes. I mean, obviously you're not brushing their teeth. I mean, I'm thinking this, right? Obviously not brushing their teeth. And then, and then the parent just launches into, we brush all the time. We never eat any sugar, you know? Like, and then it's like, well, the carbohydrates have to come from somewhere. It's like, you got to quit eating that candy, Johnny. You got to quit drinking those sodas. You know, and they just start coming down on their kids. And half the time, the kids sit there squirming like, Mom, you're throwing me under the bus here. Like, what's right. up? You know, and, and, and so I, I, I developed some empathy there. And I was like, there's got to be a way to handle that and flip the script a little. Because Johnny ain't going to the store and buying these things, right? You know, and so I, I usually say something to that effect. Like, well, I'm sure um, he didn't go buy that soda, right? I'm sure he didn't go buy that candy. It's coming from somewhere. And then, oh, grandma, or, 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 you know, those seizures at school. Yeah, (laughs) right. Um, Why do you suppose that is? I I think they're, they're maybe trying to find a way to um, not feel guilty about it, you know, and trying to, trying to shift the blame, which is, which is pretty, uh, pretty normal, right? I mean, trying to find a way to, to to make it not your fault, um, and so, but yeah, that's, it's interesting because I never know how to handle that one, right? Other than kind of just work away. I, you know, I don't know what to say. To them, right? Do I the really best you can. Yeah, I don't, I don't be like, you know, you try to be nice about it, but you're right. It's like, well, quit buying the candy, right? Quit buying the soda. Quit, you know, well, he gets up in the middle of the night and he climbs to the top of the cabinet, you know, and sneaks in his room. And I'm like, you know, that's one of those ones where I kind of just... Brig does do that, by the way. Does he really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I have personally witnessed <laughs> in action. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it happens. I just never know how to, to handle that one very well with the parents, you know, other than like, okay, well, we'll tell grandma and grandpa that are giving him all the candy that here's what's going on. Or, you know, maybe make them come to the appointment, right? <laughs> have them see what's going on. I don't know. Is that... <laughs> 
Uh, typically, the more family members that come to the appointment that are auxiliary, generally the worse the appointment goes. But we don't need everybody there. But I, I understand just, what you're saying. You know, and I and I had I had the combo with my parents. I'm like, Mom, quit giving my kids all this garbage. And yeah. she was just kind of like, Son, I love your kids. I'm gonna give them what I want to. I'm their grandma. And my dad just looks at me, and I'm just like. That needs to be okay. <laughs> like, okay, this is what it is. It needs to be okay because she's doing it out of the kindness and love of her heart. Yeah, you know, and, and the other side of it too is that there are some some people, some kids, some individuals, right, that are just more susceptible to the disease, right? And so, I, I mean, and I'm sure you've seen it, right? You've got two siblings, right? Same household, same diet, right? One never gets cavities. They don't ever brush their teeth. And the other kiddo that's trying really hard every time they see us gets cavities, right? And so um, you can only control, right, how well you're brushing your kid's teeth and what you're giving them to eat. That's it. But there's a lot of different factors that go into it. So there's four main factors, right? Well, I mean, if you look, there's, yeah. So, well, go ahead. Right. And you have have the host, right? right? And the host, you know, means like how hard or soft your teeth are, how strong your teeth are if they're weak, right? Right. Then you have the bacteria that's in your mouth. Right. How virulent they are, or how aggressive they are, how, how much acid they produce in proportion to how much sugar you feed them. And you can't control those two factors. Right. Um, then you have what you eat, you know, the sugars. We, we for lack of a complex discussion on diet, um, sugars. And then how much time they stay on your teeth, right? Right. <clears throat> those four factors have to combine to create a cavity. Correct. Yes. However, you know, you've got medications, salivary flow, right. genetics, well, that, uh, how crowded the, the teeth are, how broad the contacts are. So there's a lot of different factors is my right. point. And, and I guess it goes back to your question is how do I handle that with parents? And, and I said initially, I don't really handle it very well, but that's one thing I do tell them um, is that there are a lot of different factors, right? Um, and I try to give parents the benefit of the doubt, right? And they're like, hey, we're brushing their teeth. We're doing this and this and this. I'm like, hey, all right, let's get it all taken care of. But understand that you can only control a couple of those factors and there's a lot of other factors out there that can play into why your kiddo's getting cavities so control what you can control the best you can right and and we'll do the best that we can moving forward well dr b dr balsmer thanks for coming in uh to our podcast and being able to do a shoot um we're um still a lot more i want to dive in here with you we've done i think a decent job giving some parents some tactical information on how to help their kids um, not get cavities and if they do have cavities where to take them get them taken care of yep. better than anywhere else and um so let's uh segue into part two i want to want to discuss dentists um our brains our lifestyles um uh what we think how, how it's like from our side of the, t- the chair sure. let's do it sounds great <laughs>